Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz is on the phone lines with me. And as always, you can check out our stories at themichiganinsider.com, 247sports.com slash Michigan. And I know I know this this summer there's been a lot of recruiting talk on the podcast. Uh, Steve was on vacation. That's where he was last week. Thanks to Isaiah Holt for joining in or filling in. And I know there's the barbecue at the big house this weekend. Uh, there's some great previews over on our message board. But with Steve coming back from vacation and kind of, you know, we always field questions. And it was like kind of the same stuff. You know, what's up with Daxton Hill? What's up with Trevor Keegan? What's up with, uh, you know, this guy, this guy, this guy? With that in mind, we're probably going to table recruiting. Well, I shouldn't say probably. Uh, we, we definitely are going to table recruiting this week. It's going to be all football. And then next week, uh, there'll be lots of barbecue at the big house reactions, thoughts, and, and how things look heading into August. So uh, if, if, if you only listen for the recruiting, I guess you can stop now. Hopefully that's not too many of you because we actually, as far as football goes, it's not just conjecture. There's actually real stuff to go off of. Uh, this week, We were at, I was at Big Ten Media Days. Definitely uh, wrote a lot of stories already. Got more coming down the pipe. Interesting stuff from the Big Ten. BTN might be dropped by Comcast. Uh, they talked about the playoff. Jim Harbaugh went 16 teams. Uh, he's not going to name an OC. Uh, stuff on the quarterback. Stuff on well, pretty much everybody. Lots of lots of stories. We'll talk about a little bit of it during this during this podcast. Uh, if you check out one thing, check out 10 biggest takeaways from Big Ten Media Days. That seems to, uh, as it implies, that's kind of a round a roundabout way to talk about everything. And, and Steve, just real quick off the top here. Yeah, I know you weren't you weren't there, and and I don't know how much you followed it because you were just getting back in the swing of things. Anything stand out to you? Uh, perhaps that you feel is under discussed. Perhaps it is adequately discussed. Uh, but anything stand out as far as major takeaways for you from Big Ten Media Day? Um, I don't. I mean, how much you really learn at these things? Uh, the narratives surrounding Harbaugh and the program continue to get stupider, I guess, is kind of <laughs> one of the things that I take away from it. Um, yeah, there's that one question, how do you prove to the Michigan fan base that you are worth being hired? Yeah, like, <laughs> just, yeah, like, um, the, like the 16-team playoff thing, for instance, right? He said He's asked the question. He answered it the same way he's answered it since he was hired. Yeah, he has. But now it's but now it's oh, it must be Sour because grapes. Michigan went eight and three or eight and five last year, or because they haven't finished above third place in their division. Which again, another just stupid narrative. Would they finish eighth in the country, seventh or something that that same year? Like, am I right? Uh, tenth, tenth, and in because they lost the bowl game. But yeah, they were like. Either Literally way. a play away from the playoff. Right. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, the narratives just kind of continue to get stupider and stupider. I'm actually shooting a video today for CBS. One of the questions they want me to answer is uh, what happens if Harbaugh, what happens if Michigan loses to Michigan State and Ohio State? <laughs> and, like, I honestly just kind of want to answer it and say, then he'll be one in seven against those teams. Like, I, there's not really like what is. I don't know. If people expect it, he's going to get fired. No. Or you, no, you know what I mean though. Yeah. It's like I, it's like kind of fishing for a hot 
button answer. Right. I mean, we, right. we had a, they sent us a video, CBS sent us a video of evaluating Harbaugh on the hot seat. And I'm like, this is stupid. He's not on the hot seat. Like, this is just all media generated BS, you know, because, um, because the fan base is insecure and like yep. very reactive and very <laughs> sensitive. Um, but I mean, again, it's been a while. They it need has. to win big games. We haven't never, we've never denied that. That's not a, you know, um, but it doesn't mean that they're not on the right track or that progress hasn't, you know, hasn't been made or that they won't be, you know, cause I know, uh, actually you go to our Facebook page and, uh, our own Barton Simmons actually picked Michigan to win the conference this year, uh, which was a slight surprise. I've always felt like Barton kind of is always a little bit of an, not an Ohio state guy, but has always just been high on. Well, he's a recruiting guy. And I think everyone right. who like follows recruiting, it's very hard. Like, I know I personally, it's very hard to look at Ohio State's roster and be like, well, Michigan will probably beat them in Columbus this year. Right. Yeah. Um, but his logic was just very simple. Like, they were a play away from the playoffs two years ago. They lost a ton of players last year. And so it was going to be a down year, let alone a down year in which you're playing, you've what, four or five losses featured your third, the third best quarterback on your roster playing the bulk of the snaps. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden they upgrade at that, a major, potentially major upgrade at that position, bring a lot of, and bring a ton of experience back on both sides of the ball. And it's like he said, he's like, why can't Michigan win the big 10 this year? When you consider that, you know, the schedule I think is the, the hurdle, um, obviously, but at the same time, uh, I guess I look at like look at the way that Michigan is being kind of previewed versus the way like Penn State. Like, in my opinion, on paper, there's no way you could tell me that Michigan or that Penn State is a better team than Michigan is right now. No, they lost. Paper. They lost 14 starters. That's exactly. off the top of my head. Yeah, but it's all like because of it's all like there's it's so like last year. Everything is so last year based. Like nobody has. It just seems like, at least in the national sense, no. There's no percent. Uh, uh, there's no. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is perception or no like ability to just like comprehension. You know of like or context. You know why did Michigan go eight and five? Oh, well, they went eight and five, and the four teams that we're picking ahead of them again this year finished ahead of them last year, so that's why they're going to finish ahead of them this year. Right. Nothing. And, uh, they're never going to move up, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, you know, I, th- I think the, the dumb narratives kind of continue to get dumber. Um, you know, I watch, I watch him, I watch him on the podium, and I sit there, and I mean, I feel, almost feel like maybe I should go to these things. Uh, Cause I just don't feel like people ask good questions like ever. Um, well, I will say in defense of those of us who were there who don't ask the good questions, uh, it does get better at the, at the breakout session. Like all the, sure, not one sure. Michigan beat reporter asked about asked Harbaugh at that podium. They, oh, I, I realized that. Yeah. yeah. And it's one of those things where like, he just doesn't do well in that big time TV setting. He just like, I, he just doesn't want to it. say anything. He, he hates it. Yeah. Whereas, like, you know, and he's not great when we're all around him in a slightly smaller setting, but he is better. And, like, you know, some people asked about 
X position group or X player, and he'll actually like give insight. So, yeah, if all you watched was that 15-minute podium, uh, you probably did not love the, the event. You probably right. didn't learn anything, really. I mean, right. Yeah. I laughed when he went on, on the up to the uh, set with the BTN guys, and they asked him about the the off-season trips and what kind of benefit they've provided for the players and something I can't, there's another tangent to the actual question. And, and he talked just about like Normandy for like three minutes. Ice out the clock. And, and really didn't answer the questions. <laughs> it, was it was almost like he was like trying to continue to talk about anything besides what they wanted to talk about. I was just, I was pretty He does funny, that. But, he does that. Big yeah. Ten teleconference is always a hoop. I do it every yeah. week. And he's only on for eight minutes. And so two things that he does is he, he, go, he always, almost always, at least once, will ask someone to repeat the question because that just eats up that eight minutes. And then, you know, something like that, like Normandy or something like, like that he can sound like Vince sincerely and talk for like two minutes about that's like nothing anybody wants to talk about. He'll do that. So, I, yeah, as far as and, – and I do want to hold on to this because I think we're going to talk about this next, uh, kind of looking at expectations and things. As far as the my takeaways, I think, uh, as you said, you know, there's only so much you can really learn. I, I was intrigued by the breakout players listed, and I do think – I guess we'll talk about them now. I don't think we actually got asked. Uh, we got asked about the freshmen, so, so we'll save it for then. But I thought the nutrition thing, I did not realize – Tyree Kinnell was a part of this now like 20 person group of players that have gained 15 pounds. Um, sure. And he's still running a four five. And I thought it was interesting hearing Kinnell and Higdon kind of talk about, because apparently after the Ohio state loss, Harbaugh basically went to the team and said, moving forward, we have to be stronger. You know, and that, that was like his one, you know, he didn't, you know, I know fans kind of talked about like, Oh, they were quarterback away or John O'Corn threw that duck in the, in the pick and, Maybe if they have a healthy quarterback, they win. And maybe that's true. But I thought it was very interesting that Harbaugh, uh, and I believe Tolbert moved on, Kevin Tolbert, the former strength and conditioning coach, I think he moved on like within a week of that loss. I'd have to yeah, double check. It was, it was, it was, it was December, though, where, where it's like the other moves were kind of January deals. Um, and so, so it was interesting talking to them about, because, I mean, it's like Khalid Hudson's up to 220. Josh Uche's up 20 pounds. Uh, yeah, Uche looks... He looks, he looks good. He looks physically ready. He's listed as two inches taller too, so yeah. <laughs> I'm not quite oh, sure what's about, up. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, but but you know, I mean, Devin Gill put on a bunch of weight. Chris Evans put on a bunch of weight. Gentry, uh, Eubanks. I haven't heard anyone losing weight, and right. I think that I think that there, you know, just knowing what we know about Herbert, I think that there was a concerted effort just to be bigger, be the size of Wisconsin, be the size of. I don't know exactly how size is at, at Ohio State, but basically I think last year I remember hearing the offensive line was pitched as like smaller but more athletic, right? That's the spin if you right. don't have the right size. And I think I think you saw that with like other positions too. I think they're trying to just be – they're trying to still be more athletic, but I think that there seems to be a concerted effort to get bigger. Um, and I think that nutri the nutritionist Abigail O'Connor, who got a lot of, lot of love at Big Ten Media Days – I mean, she's, from what I've been able to gather, there's a big push for uh, all of Michigan's players to eat basically all of their meals in Schembechler Hall. 
and they're trying to make the food really appetizing. Because if you can, you know, because if it's if you're giving them like this super gross, you know, hyper nutritionist stuff, they might go to Mr. Spots right after and kind of dilute the entire purpose of it. But if you're giving yeah. them like Chick Fil A mixed with this, you know, nice protein shake, well, maybe they're eating dinner at at the training table instead of somewhere else. So, so I thought that was fascinating. You know, I, I, we kind of heard it in the spring. Uh, I did not realize quite how widespread these results were because like I mean there's always like someone who puts on a few pounds and there's always that cliche every weight loss means they're getting more athletic every weight gain means that they're you know getting stronger but I think when it's so widespread I think you can look into it as a team trend uh that that might you know I think Michigan fans could be excited you know if 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 all of a sudden Khalid Hudson if he's the same speed and he's 220 pounds instead of 205 you know you can imagine I mean, he only missed one tackle, so he's probably a terrible example for that. But, you right. know, like Karan Higdon, right? You know, if he's if he's 15 pounds heavier and still just as fast, you know, that, that could be an extra couple missed tackles or that could be, you know, an extra yard here or there. So so that was a takeaway, but we didn't. no one asked about nutrition when we fielded questions. So we will instead uh, go to the questions. A lot more of the stuff you talked about, which, by the way, Harbaugh got asked about the Ohio State rivalry, rivalry uh, eight times. At Big Ten sure. Media Days. <laughs> and I th- sometimes it was grouped as Michigan State. Sometimes it was grouped as, like, the big games. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. That narrative, I, I will say, I mean, I don't think Michigan beat reporters are buying into it at all. You know, it's kind of like the whole quarterback thing. It's like anyone who covers Michigan every day knows that unless something strange happens, it's Shea Patterson. You right. know, you know, well, And also that he's not going to tell anybody either. <laughs> like, right, right. Everyone who asked right. was was yeah. uh you know either brand new to the beat or or a national person uh he got like three questions about Kirk Ferentz too so now I'm kind of I'm I'm sort of in your camp I like it because I get to talk to the players for an hour and we never get that all season um so that part I like but yeah no I agree with you that you know a lot of this stuff is is fluff uh but anyway well, we talked about they got rid of the team media day they did they did you know and, and that that's that was the the one like potential gold mine every off season, you know, because you could pull aside yeah. outside of the true freshman. I mean, you could pull aside any player. I mean, we used to kind of break that. We would break down who each of us wanted and come up with sort of a, you know, a little bit of a tailored, you know, like you could pull like, when else are you ever going to get Nico Collins or, right. Uh, you know, or I don't know, somebody else, other no, people. I, I but. I agree, and I believe Michigan and Ohio State are the only schools that don't have team media days. I will say, having been on this throughout Harbaugh's tenure and not having been around before, uh, I don't mind no team media day because it was always like some gorgeous 81-degree Sunday where right. I could have been doing a million other things, and instead I'm like wrestling around with uh, you know the TV reporters while they ask like, about the Paris trip still, or they ask about the Amazon series or, or ask some, you know, tired question. That's just for their little two minute segment. And, and then, and then, you know, I remember, was it 20, uh, 2015 and 2016, they did the submarine, you know, it's like they, it's like they did the team media day and they're like, all right, see you in four weeks. And it was yep. kind of like, well, well, crap, you know, I had, I had a lot of different questions I, or things I would have asked. So I liked it last year a little bit better because we just got them like two or three times a week. It, it, it is, it suits our site better for sure. Right. Cause we're right. not, 
we're not going to go we're not going to give you that many like 2000 word breakdowns of each position group it's going to be more of a like i i kind of liked having it every couple days a different player yeah. and and also a lot fewer tv people show up to like random tuesday availability than like michigan team media day 2018 so so i know what you mean right cuz we don't get that kind of intel that that we used to get i mean i remember uh, was it Adam Schnepp who got Mike Zordich for like a super super great one on one from for MGO yeah. blog a couple of years ago and it was like the most telling thing. I mean, so I, I missed that part, but I I also don't mind as long as we get access like we did last year. I don't mind the the new system either. Anyway, uh, that's that's tangential. Let's talk about oh, let's see which one do we want to talk about first. So you were mentioning. Uh, Barton Simmons picked Michigan to win the Big Ten. I I am not making that pick, but I do see where he's coming from. You know, imagine what last year's team would have looked like with Shea Patterson at quarterback, right? And and Tariq Black healthy at wide receiver. Probably ten wins, possibly even flirting with eleven. You know, because I think they beat. What do we say? What do we say? South Carolina. We say Wisconsin, Michigan State, and South Carolina. If you're picking three. Three new wins. Well, what about Ohio State? I mean, really? I mean, they. Yeah. I. I'm just. I'm being. I'm being. Yeah. I know, but they had the ball driving to win the game. Produced a wide open receiver. I know we've talked about this a thousand times, but (laughs) produced a wide open uh, a wide open receiver down the field. You know, I mean, that game's different if if a good quarterback makes the throw he's supposed to. And uh, right. So I just, uh, you know, it's one of those things where it's like. Like I say, I'm going to be answering this question today about what happens if they lose to Ohio State and Michigan State, and, and my response is, I, if I'm being 100% honest, I think that D'Antonio has done a better head-to-head just straight-up coaching job against Michigan than Urban Meyer has against Michigan. Yeah, I think we've the seen that so far. Yeah, the difference, the difference is that Ohio State just has a ton of talent. And that the difference in talent, especially at the quarterback position, has kind of dictated. Really, you go back, it's dictated the rivalry for how long. You know, when they had John Cooper and Michigan was dominating the series, you know, they had guys like Joe Germain, uh, Stanley Jackson, uh, was it Bowser? Not Bowserman, who's the, oh, Belisari. Like, these guys in Michigan always had like a, uh, future Noir, NFL, yeah, <laughs> you know, Henson, you know, like better player at that position, you know, and so in that regard, I think this year especially, um, I think it's the closest that gap has been uh, in years. Yeah, at quarterback. So. I, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, so, do you want to talk uh, schedule, or do you want to talk the the next three years question first? Your pick. All care. right, let's do let's do the next three years because. Because I think that that's similar to this like random contrived narrative state of the program, and by the way, that's not to say like Michigan doesn't have a serious rivalry problem. I mean, they're three and seventeen in the last ten years, right? That's that's atrocious, you know. And the only the the times that they've won, the three times they've won, it was Michigan State's three and nine season, it was Michigan State's uh, seven and six season, and it was Ohio State's six and seven season. So I mean, you're talking like. It was only when those teams were low, and they're not low this year. At least it doesn't look right. like it. So no. Uh, but I'm curious. That actually led more into the schedule. So we're gonna do that. Uh, they don't. Ha- they don't face a lot of teams that you know. They have a lot of teams on their schedule. The top 15. You mentioned that's probably the barrier 
you know, if we if we call last year's team a nine or ten win team, caliber wise, and return that many starters, you normally would project ten or eleven wins. I think the schedule is the barrier. So Max Brennan asks, how many of the big five games, Notre Dame on the road, Wisconsin at home, Penn State at home, Michigan State on the road, Ohio State on the road, does Michigan need to win uh, to for 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 you to consider the season a success? Max thinks they need to win three. That would mean they would win at least one big road game, and that keeps them in contention for Indy. So, so for the success, yeah, it kind of depends on which which wins, right? Yeah. Uh, like if they beat Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Penn State, but they lose to Michigan State and Ohio State, and they don't go to Indi- Indianapolis, and they don't go to a New Year's. Well, maybe they'd probably still go to a New Year's Six Bowl at ten and two with that record. But you know, it's they're not in contention entering the final week or so. Uh, you probably don't consider it a success, especially given, you know, the the defense has kind of got a perfect storm brewing right now where they have guys, you know, they have the NFL talent before they leave and they have some of the younger guys coming in, uh, you know, to the point where they're going to be big contributors. So, yeah, I mean, if they if they went three and two in that scenario, probably not. I think you probably have to. I, I'll be curious to hear, hear what you think. I think for Michigan to consider this for Michigan fans to consider it a success. I think they probably have to beat at least Michigan state or Ohio state. And they probably have to go two and three in the other games or two and two and one. So they have to go. So they have to go. I think they have to win three, but it's gotta be the right yeah. three. I, I no, I a hundred, I was going to say, I think it's a good question. Um, and I agree. I think, yeah, I think three and two in, out of that five is, a necessity, obviously, but yeah, it's it, it can't be. It, you'd almost want to say that you'd prefer that Notre Dame be one of the two losses, and they go three well, and one against. Yeah, Penn statistically, State. it would actually benefit them more if they're going to get one out of their system. Yeah, get it, get it and out of the so, way against a non-conference team. Right, and so because if they say they go three or say they beat Notre Dame and still go three and two, I mean, simple math. That means they go their two losses in conference means they're probably out of the division race. You have to assume between Ohio State, Michigan State, and Penn State that one of those teams will will lose one or less um, in the conference, you would think. Yeah, and um, if not, they would hold the head-to-head over Michigan right. most two likely. Of the, two of yeah. the teams would hold a head-to-head. So, um, so yeah, I think, yeah, I think, yeah, three, three and two, but it's got to be, like, in my opinion, they'd have to at least – I mean, aren't we almost aren't we almost talking ourselves into saying they have to win four of them, kind of because a little, <laughs> you know. Uh, but I don't. But at the same time, though, I mean, are we going? Are this moving on to the two losses playoff? Yeah, thing. Because if they like, make the playoff and they don't make it to the division title and they have two losses, that is, I think that think that is a question we have. Uh, well, Ryan Hartley, do you think that it's likely Michigan could still make the playoff with two losses? but a win against OSU. Um, Likely. Chris Otterson said, considering the strength of Michigan's schedule, do they still need to win the Big Ten to read the playoffs, to reach the playoffs? Um, I think the committee has shown the ability to... I think I think Michigan's schedule at the end of the day is going to help them a lot. Yes, um, I would think. In, in I, this scenario, assuming they don't go one and four, or right. two and three, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think... The committee has shown uh, 
an appreciate more of an appreciation the last few seasons for teams that play a tough schedule. Um, They're very forgiving of good losses, which right. is a total contradiction to like the AP's history of voting. Right. You know they. Well, I, I think their approach is the right one, though, don't you? I, mean, I would agree. Well, I like think... when Michigan lost to Iowa, they were still ranked, what, fourth? Yeah. Yep. You know, it's one of those. Yeah, if, they had, if they had still come back and beat Ohio State, they're in the playoffs. Yeah. Probably regardless of, you know, they still have to play, what, was it Wisconsin? Um, was it Wisconsin that year? Uh, had to have been. In what, the Big Ten title? In the Big Ten championship game. Yeah, it was it was Ohio Wisconsin. Wisconsin. I mean, yeah. frankly, there were some people, and Michigan was what sixth in the in the kind of in the football playoff in the in the end of the regular season in the conference championships. I mean, so there were some people that still thought that they could even with two losses. I mean, they were the highest ranked two loss team, and there were some people that were making cases for them to be in. And I do think the playoff committee at least considered it. It's just they had they had a lot of one loss teams win conference titles that year. Right. I think if it had, like, say if Colorado had upset uh, Washington, Washington, right, in, yeah. the, in the conference championship, they might have looked at Michigan and been like, well, probably put Michigan ahead of both these teams. Well, and you remember, too, the one thing I could always go back to with that, and again, some of the other, talk about some of the other factors that could play a role. Do you kind of think, looking back, that Michigan maybe you think, hey, we should maybe we shouldn't have taken out our starters halfway through the third against Penn State and put like seventy up on them because they would have <laughs> probably put. Well, no, but you know what I mean, though. Yeah, I mean because because that was the big debate was was wasn't it like didn't where Penn State was relative to Michigan too, right? Was I mean they were all really close and because uh, people were making the argument about for Penn State too, um, but you know you say Michigan to beat a top ten team by sixty which they would have if they had not taken their – I mean, they just completely obliterated Penn State that day and then took the foot off the gas, you know, a little over halfway into the game. I mean, it was – Well, know, remember, last... Wisconsin, uh, Ohio State, when they beat Wisconsin in 2014, that's how they they got in over Baylor and TCU, who probably both of them had really compelling cases. But with, but Ohio State beat Wisconsin 59 nothing. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, like, so um, – I kind of feel like, I don't know. I mean, this is getting a little off topic, but if yeah. they were to be in a similar position, I feel like that they would not take the foot off the gas. Yeah, I. Yeah, back to the question, and I, I do, I agree with you, right? Like, I think they are going to look for whenever they have a chance to make a statement. Like, if they can beat Northwestern by forty on the road, or if they can kick the teeth out of Nebraska, I don't know. I, I I'm not saying this stuff is going to happen. I'm just saying I think if they have the chance. I think you're right. I think they are going to look to like say like, if this team is going to be in the conversation, we need to, and we we have their number that day. You know, Michigan is going to really go all out. As far as the two team, I think this year is uh, especially possible because of how well the Big Ten did in uh, bowl play last year, and right. how they still have like, and how basically everyone all you know, Penn State I think has a bit of a dip because of who they lose, but it's like Wisconsin brings back their quarterback, running back, you know, two of their top receivers, all five of their offensive linemen, you know, their top three linebackers. This, you know, it's like they're loaded. Dakota Dixon still back. You know, Ohio State uh, has a bit more of a dip than I thought, but, I mean, it's like they still got Nick Bosa. They still got J.K. Dobbins. They still got, you know, the bulk of their starters. I think they bring back, like, 12 or something. And right. and if they beat TCU and and I don't know, Wisconsin doesn't play anybody, do they? Uh, you know, but say like, you know, Michigan beats Notre Dame. I think suddenly the Big Ten 
is in a situation where if there is a very, very good team that was just left out at the Big Ten East and then there's a Big Ten champion, you could see both teams being in that conversation. Uh, I, I, I think so, at least. You know, because I, mean, I think the Big Ten got a lot more respect after Ohio State kind of throttled USC and Penn State, uh, Wisconsin throttled Miami, and I can't remember who Penn State beat, but it was a, Washington. Yeah, it's like, well, right now you feel pretty confident that the Big Ten is better than you know most teams that aren't Alabama, Clemson, and Georgia. Uh, well, and that goes. I just go back to Georgia and say, like, I'm sorry, but say Michigan. Let's just say Michigan. I mean, or Michigan State or Penn State, whoever, or Ohio State or whatever, go like uh, ten and two in the regular season, and maybe miss out. But probably more Michigan just because of their schedule. But um, you know, a one loss, say Georgia runs a table, gets walloped by Alabama in the SEC title game, right? Mm-hmm. Like a, a two loss Michigan team to me with the schedule Michigan plays should go in 10 times out of 10 over a one loss Georgia team that plays the schedule they do this year. Like to me, it shouldn't even be a conversation, you know, cause that, yeah, yeah. that's how the SEC, that's how the SEC has gotten in, in the past is because all oh, well, the SEC is the strongest conference from top to bottom. And, you know, Alabama's playing uh, Auburn and LSU and Texas A&M and, uh, uh, I don't know who else. I guess Tennessee's kind of stunk for a while, but Tennessee, you know, it's like these Mississippi State on the road. You know, like that's the way they've gotten in is by people by that whole idea of, you know, that it's the strongest conference from top to bottom. And right. I mean, I would th- I would say this year, I, I don't know how you could argue that the Big Ten is not the strongest conference from top to bottom. Yeah, I mean, unless um, the SEC comes out and wins all of its games. Right, because they did. They did. I mean, it seems like Florida would be better. It seems like Tennessee would be better. South Carolina's got some juice. Georgia's got juice. You know, Alabama, Texas A and M just had got Jimbo Fisher. I mean, like you could see a scenario where if the SEC is just coming out and destroying all of its non-conference games, maybe they move up. But yeah, no, I think with the returning talent, you know, I mean, I forgot to mention Michigan State returns nineteen starters. You know, it's not like, right. and they were a top. I think they ended up 16th in the CFP even after their holiday bowl. But it's one of those things. It's like they're obviously there's, – there's five teams, and Michigan's kind of on the outside right now that you could say, well, they were top 15 teams last year, and they return enough to be considered top 15 teams this year. So it, it kind of depends on who Michigan beats because, again, right. I think – I think always, That's always going to matter. I mean, yeah. they can't go like – like we said, if they go – you know, I do. I think if they go three and two, uh, those five, the five big ones, and the two losses are to Michigan State and Ohio State, I think it's going to be tough sledding for Michigan to. And you as know, you said, the score it, matters. You know, if they're it does though, yeah. If I they agree. take Ohio State to double overtime again, you know, maybe that you almost yep. consider that a draw. And then I also think this is another one where losing to Notre Dame is probably your best bet because yeah. if you lose to Notre Dame and then you suddenly look a whole lot better and you beat. Uh, Wisconsin and and Penn State and Michigan State and Northwestern and Nebraska and kind of run the table until Ohio State and then it's like a close loss on the road, you know they might look at it and say like oh okay well they're the they're the I mean they're probably a top five team at that point you know and then and then it's just kind of deciding between you probably need some dominoes to fall in other conferences like you need Washington or 
or USC or whoever the Pac-12 team is to not be that inspiring. Uh, you probably need the Big 12 to beat each other up. You can't. I mean, if Oklahoma's you know 11 and one or 12 and 0 or something, they're getting in, of course. Right. Uh, ACC probably need everyone to wilt except for Clemson. You know, yep. if Miami's in there at 10 and two, do you? You know, what do you do with them? So, so there there are some things that to answer like- the question. There's stuff that has to fall. Also, I'm still not totally sold. Michigan's capable of winning all of these games. I I see the I see the justification, uh, but but certainly, I think this is more possible than in the past because I think I think the Big Ten has the reputation. I think I think the conference. I think the playoff committee kind of evolves each year. Last year they put two SEC teams in, and they were kind of validated because both of those teams won in the semis. Right, so you know they're they're going with their gut a little bit more, I would think, because they're just looking for the best team, and sure enough, the best team uh, rose rose to the occasion in the in the in the semifinals. So, uh, anyway, uh, kind of in a similar vein, but more of a uh, state more of the state of the program one. Shane Majewski says, "What should the U of M fans expect the next two three years realistically?" He says. I'm not oblivious to the fact that Michigan has never been a perennial 10 and 2, 11 and 1 team. I think fans should be grateful that 8 and 5 under Jim might be the low end of the spectrum for wins per year. Uh, our thoughts. So, I actually, I, I know, I know there's probably some fans out there that I, I don't know how much you hear about this, Steve. We hear it on the radio all the time. You know, the the this is Michigan. They should contend for a Big Ten title every single year, and and you know, it's the winningest program in history. When, like, if you look at the stats, and, and I think you said it's been a while, 2004, last Big Ten title, uh, 2006, last win over a ranked team on the road, 1999, last AP top five finish, you know, it's, or, or college football playoff top five finish. So, I mean, you're ta- you are talking about, I think, I think Shane, to his point, I think he has a point. Like, this is not, you can't just, like, waltz in, and especially if the conference is going to continue to be this good. You can't just waltz in and, you know, be like, oh, anything less than 10 wins is a failure every year. But it does seem like this year and next year yep. with the talent they have. I, I And I, I've i heard a couple people mention it and call it like a two-year window, right? Like this is Michigan's chance to, you know, in, in, in the recruiting circles, become better, you know, ascend higher than Michigan State and Penn State and be, you know, be higher than Wisconsin and be right up there with Ohio State. I've heard that and I've heard, you know, it's it can be after this two year window, Jim Harbaugh will be five years into his tenure. You know, and, and if if you haven't seen something serious, you know, in the in lieu in the way of a title or a, a trophy, uh, you, you can question what is realistic to expect down the road. So I'm I'm curious, Steve, because they have they you know it seems like the 2019 class is going to be pretty solid, top ten ish. Uh, you know, 2016, 2017 were top five, top six. Uh, 2018 was was down, but you know, one one takeaway, for example, Karan Higdon. We'll talk about the freshman in a moment, so never mind. But you know, 2018 class, there are some intriguing intriguing pieces to it. So, uh, but the schedule is loaded too. Notre Dame and Washington are on there. You know, they still play Wisconsin every year, uh, and probably the for for Michigan from Michigan's perspective, probably the most unfortunate decision the Big Ten has made to to pair Ohio State with Nebraska and and Michigan right. with Wisconsin um but it is yeah. I mean you know 
and, and and I don't think they were like wrong to guess Nebraska would stay good and Michigan would be better. They wouldn't have that two thousand. They, they wouldn't have some of these dips that they've had. Uh, but they did guess wrong as far as which team will be the best on in each division the rest of the way. And so, so anyway, next two three years, what is what is realistic to expect if you're if you're a Michigan fan? I mean, can you expect a playoff appearance? Can you expect a title? Can you expect, uh, you know, a, one of those three years is going to be a kind of a rebuilding year? Do you think all three will be, like, we'll have this kind of same conversation before the season every year? Like, oh, which scenario gets Michigan into the playoff, you know, four months out? What do you, what do you think is realistic for the next two, three years? Um, I think contention is more than realistic the next two or three. I mean, I kind of view this. <laughs> when you paused of, after contention, I thought that was like your entire answer. <laughs> like you're doing a Harbaugh thing. <laughs> right. No. Contention. I was, I was thinking. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think this year's kind of the springboard. Um, what they did in 16 without, with uh, a lot of Brady Hoke's recruits, which was what? The one of the two or three flukiest plays in college football history in a questionable spot away from being 11 and one and in the playoffs, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when the whole Iowa game, I still don't quite understand how that happened. Yeah. Well, like that. Yeah. Oh, well (laughs) you say Mike McCray's like fingertip cost them. Like, you know what I mean? Like weird, like, or the Devin Bush, Bush. yeah, the, the, the quote unquote targeting. Bizarre um, stuff. So, um, no, I, I think this is your sort of a springboard year. I think they're, it's their roster now. So, I agree with those who think that, you know, once it's his roster, then the results should kind of start to come in. Uh, and if they don't, then I don't know. But, like, that's the thing is, like, I expect the results to come through. Now, yeah, what does that mean? Yeah, with as strong as the conference is right now, I don't. You can't sit here and say, "Well, Michigan should win two Big Ten two titles." Three, yeah, yeah, two of the next three Big Ten championships, no doubt. If it's not, it's a complete failure. Well, Ohio State's um, only got two under Urban Meyer, don't they? Yeah, exactly. So and so, which is an interesting stat. Um, but you know, so and and then on the other thing is going back to what we're talking about with the Big Ten and the playoffs. Uh, I think you'd say the Big Ten, SEC which, again, I don't even really know if I agree with the SEC part of this equation still, but uh, the Big Ten kind of in a spot where two teams could get in, depending on how the dominoes shake out, you know, kind of like the way the SEC has gotten away with it. That's why, like I said, I'm interested. You know, I think Alabama's success, at least in the last three or four years, you know, kind of since LSU has fallen by, the, especially LSU, I think LSU is that one other program that was um, – a legitimate national power um, year in and year out, you know, but, but with Georgia, it's like Georgia's obviously doing some good things. They're doing the right things really. I mean, realistically they could have easily should have almost won uh, the whole thing last year, but also though, they also to me still, and this year is not that we've just are going to, they're going to benefit so much from not playing a difficult schedule. Uh, well, because they lose a lot of starters, and I think right. that will get masked as you as you kind of mentioned. It's like, oh well, you know, do you really need a lot of experience to beat a Tennessee 
or are rebuilding right. yeah, Florida. That, yeah, exactly. Like how much is it going to impact them? You know? And so I think what you, I, I, when I say expect contention, um, you know, I think a conference championship stamps you in the, in the playoffs for sure. In the big 10. Now, I don't think that the big 10 is never going to get left out. Uh, you know, cause what one power, at least one power conference is going to get left out every year, if not more uh, between the ACC the uh, SEC, the Big 12, the Pac-12, and the Big 10, uh, with what? Are we kind of probably thinking the Pac-12 is the yeah, I mean, lowest on the list right now with with a, with the USC that, in my opinion, is still underachieving despite some success? Yeah, I um, think with the Pac-12, I mean, you know, if Washington beats Auburn, you know, that could change things. Or I think UCLA, uh, they play Texas, or do they play Oklahoma? Uh, uh, USC plays Texas. One of them, USC and right. UCLA play Texas and Oklahoma in some capacity. Uh, you know, if they if they can win those kind of games, or if like or if one of them is again eleven and one or twelve and zero and right. just looks very good, you know, then maybe they're not. But yeah, I think as far as the hierarchy, they've got to be the lowest. I would. I'm just. I would just say contention. Uh, it's just one word, but uh, I I do. I think this is kind of the springboard. Uh, for future success, I, I do. I agree that I think eight and five is about the lowest th- that I think that they're going to get under this coaching staff. Um, I just think the talent is there, and I also one of the things too that I just I always go back to when I, when you kind of go back and look at the grand scheme on this program. I mean. Think of besides Penn State last year, every one, every game that they've lost under Harbaugh is a game that was there for the taking. Like, oh, and uh, Ohio, sorry, Ohio State in 15. Which I believe it's documented that DJ Durkin had accepted a head coaching job at that point. Right. Still not an excuse to get the doors blown off you in a rivalry game like that, no? but okay. still those, those two, and my, not in my opinion anyway, uh, yeah. whether that's the case or not, and I fully believe it is the case. Um, but, you know, besides those two games, every loss, even the, even the opener against Utah was a game that Michigan could have had. Yep. You know, and so, uh, and again, no moral victories, anything like that. But I do think there is something to be said that uh, there, it's not a deal where, like I put it this way, this is the way I guess I look at it. You look at Ohio State last year and Michigan State last year, um, both games that Michigan easily could have won. Those are games to me that if like the Hoke staff was still there or the Rodriguez staff was still there, they're going to get the hell kicked out of them by both of those teams <laughs> in that game. In my opinion. yes, yes, <laughs> and, and and I think that to me that means something, yeah. um, and it means you know, and and so I'm just trying to imagine what those game plans would have looked like. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> and that's really what was happening. I mean, Michigan's like under Hoke, especially like Michigan State wasn't just beating them; they were obliterating Michigan uh, physically, especially. And so, um, you know, I think that's why I say I think I do think again. Does it mean anything in the grand scheme? I don't know, maybe not. But to me, I think it says something though that they've they've been on the precipice. Uh, and I think now they have their, like I said, they have their players. The big upgrade at quarter, like the quarterback room, will never be ever. I don't. If they go eight and five again some year, whatever, 
but that quarterback room will never be what it was last year ever again. The, the, they will never have uh, – it will be, be a strength uh, offensively for, for the team as, for the foreseeable future. Uh, you know, and so and, – and that's – I mean, history says that that's vital to winning – and so, uh, so yes, in that regard, that you know, is I, correct. The quarterback is very important to a team's success right, in football. Right? You know? No, I know, but yeah. you get what I'm saying. No. So that's where I'm at. Okay, uh, I'm I'm a little lower. I I think like if you're being realistic, right? Like if you wanna if you wanna buy into the uh, success or failure, like what is the expectation uh, for Michigan to be considered a success for the next three years? Then yes, contending. I think. I mean, you know, and I get into this with with people about basketball too. You know, they're like, "Oh, Final Four or bust." It's like, well, you know what? Like, how many one seeds have not made the Final Four and had a fantastic season and been the best team? It just didn't show up. So, so I think you know, as far as your expectation, if you're a fan trying to hold Michigan to some standard and deciding whether they're doing the right thing or not, which again, I think is kind of a weird way to go about fanhood. But you know, you have to look at like, did the team? Did the team accomplish what it could accomplish? And and I think like you know, 2015 they sure did. 2016 uh, maybe not so much. Even though there it was it was excusable, right? Three last minute losses and two last play losses. You know, I think I think that team had the potential, had playoff potential and playoff talent. Uh, 2017 they did not accomplish what they could have accomplished. But so so as far as like eight and five and like I think I don't know if eight and five is the floor. But I think it's gonna be it's gonna take a serious catastrophe, like injury or or something else to happen for Michigan to be unranked at the end of the regular season and then lose a bowl game after. Like that's you know, to me that takes that takes an extra uh, catastrophe. And it sounds like we might have lost Steve, so we'll have him call back. But anyway, as far as uh Shane's question, so I think I think, you know, you can expect I think a fair expectation is probably between 27 and 30 wins over the next three years. Uh, maybe, maybe more. You know, I think, I think for me, like people keep asking me what I think the record is going to be this year. And I think <laughs> to me, I can't really tell until Notre Dame happens. Sorry if I sound a little spacey. I'm waiting for Steve to call back. But I think a fair expectation, you know, probably can't have a situation where you're not getting to 10 wins on average a year. Uh, you probably can't have a situation where there's dysfunction. You know, you can lose games. If Michigan loses to Ohio State like they did in 2016, but they look functional, they don't look broken, it doesn't look like a mess, they aren't losing, you know, or they aren't going to overtime. They probably, you know, Indiana, I know they give them fits and things. Uh, all right, here we go. Is this Steve? You back? Yeah, you completely cut out. Okay. Well, I kept going over here. I think I think the phone might have dropped. Phone call might have dropped. Anyway, you're back. I I was kind of mentioning, you know, probably I think a 10-win average is probably fair given the way that they're recruiting and the way that they are, you know, it seems like like the competency is up as you said. I just don't think Brady Hoke, by the way, he never lost to Michigan State in Ann Arbor. Uh he was he was 1 and 0 in Ann Arbor and just so happened to have three road games because of that whole Big Ten scheduling thing. Right, I forgot. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think there is, you know, I, I, but still, I don't think Brady Hoke would have put together a game plan that could have beaten uh, Ohio State and Michigan State the way they are right now, or the way the way the way that they were last year. 
So I think a lot of it hinges on what we get out of Shea Patterson because I, I, you know, I can conjecture. I know someone jokingly asked statistical projections for each individual player. Uh, I, I, I assume that was a joke. That's that's a otherwise that's a tough ask to do in an hour podcast. But you know, I, you know, you can assume what you want out of Shea Patterson until we see it. It's hard to it's hard to tell what he'll do for Michigan. And then I think you have to look at who's next because I if if they're winning ten games this year or ten or more games this year and they're in contention as you say, uh, that probably means Shea Patterson is a good enough quarterback to depart early and and pursue an NFL career. And then suddenly you're looking at McCaffrey or Milton or Peters or uh, McNamara or someone else, you know. So that part, that part I think, hinges a lot. I agree with you. I think it's going to be better than it was last season. I don't think you're going to have someone who was kind of ran out of Houston, uh, you know, coming in and being your starting quarterback against Ohio State. I don't think you're going to have – you know, I don't think you're going to have three starting quarterbacks in one year. It, it, you know, I just don't. I don't. I don't think right. that's going to happen ever again. Now it could. I just like can't project it. So, yeah, I think contention's a good answer. I think, I I think contention at least two out of the three years. I mean, I I don't know. You know, because like if if everyone leaves early this year, are they in a similar situation that they were last year, or if or in 2019, a lot of those guys will be seniors. You know, I think it's a little too soon to tell what 2020 is going to look like because it kind of depends on what the what the returning players from 2019 look like, and that's going to be you know Levert Hill and David Long's backups, Ambry Thomas and Miles Sims, presumably. That's going to be you know whoever is behind Bren, Ben Bredesen at guard. It's going to be whoever is behind Michael and Wainu at guard. It's going to be a, you know. It's 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 like guys who are just now entering campus are going to be the contributors there. So I think the next two years. You can definitely expect contention in, as far as, like, if you're a fan and, and you want to set a bar for the team. Realistically, I think one out of the two years, you will get it. You know, because either it happens this year and a lot of people leave and they kind of have a uh, an interesting go of it next year, or it doesn't happen this year and some of those guys stay and then they have a more favorable schedule next year and they, they do it. I don't know. when you When the phone call dropped... I I definitely lost my train of thought, so that's fine. That happens. <laughs> so, and we're not going to edit it out either because a couple of things. Yeah, I no, said keep nice. it. Yeah, <laughs> we're legit. We're genuine here. We don't. Yeah, I don't. Don't ever edit that <laughs> stuff out. Who cares? Like people who care about something like that have bigger problems. So, so I forgot to write down who asked this question, and we'll probably close up with this one. What freshman do you expect to see the most action with the new redshirt rule? Do you expect this only happens in fourth quarter mop-up duty? And you and I were talking before the show. Because this is an interesting question. I feel like we've gotten variations of it all summer. But it is an interesting one, especially since I was actually able to get some stuff on the freshmen from some of the players that were at Big Ten Media Days. Uh, With the new redshirt rule, I assume every freshman will play. I think that would almost be... Honestly, I think it would be almost disrespectful. It'd be a surprise if any healthy, true freshman did not see some... Game action, save for the situation in which every game was close late or something. Like, yeah, but even like then, that. it's like you know, is every game going to be close? You know, even right, like no, Western saying, Michigan, like it, it'd be, Rutgers. It'd be yeah, weird. it'd be something weird like that. Would be the only way that not every 
guy doesn't see the field in my opinion and like and that's just i think you'll see that at every school because uh was it who who said it this week pat fitzgerald was like every guy we've ever recruited wants to play in year one like there's no one that's like oh yeah coach thanks for the scholarship i'm i'm really ready to redshirt my first year and and see what happens soft no no one no one who plays football at this high of a level or any honestly any athletics is like hey i'll just take the year off playing and really develop you know that's that's a situation that is handed to you, not one that you grab. So so everyone's going to want to play, and I think everyone will. I think Western Michigan and Southern Methodist will be in Rutgers, maybe Maryland, depending on how that goes. Uh, you know, I think those are going to be games where you'll see a lot of them. So, so for this question, I think we should interpret it more as a who plays, who plays a serious two or three deep role. And, and I know two guys that were pointed out uh, by Karan Higdon, he thinks Christian Turner, mm-hmm. and he he said it like pretty affirmatively. He said it like yep. he's going to be the number three back. He didn't say that, which, but he. Which kind of, I've been saying that for yeah. months now. Nobody was, <laughs> but started saying that for yeah. months. Not not didn't just start saying that. Been saying that for a really long time now. Yep. And then the other guy, which I thought was a little surprising, because I felt like they they're pretty loaded at cornerback, but Miles Sims. Is is someone that he thinks, of, right? Yeah, he kind of made it sound like he was going to be the number three guy. Huh. Well, I right. can't it, see him passing Ambry Thomas. No, I right off campus, I agree. But. And by the way, Karan Higdon did mention Ambry Thomas is officially the fastest player on the team at four three. No uh, surprise. Yeah, not not too surprising. And 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 it, I think you know you can always read between the lines here. What's he? You know, it should it for breakout players should he. Should he say somebody like? Should he say somebody that's like already on the team, or should he say a freshman that's going to get the fans excited? So I think that's something you know. And also Brandon Watson's at cornerback, but but I mean Miles Sims was he the highest rated recruit they had this year? Not the so composite wise, it was Aiden Hutchinson. Okay, and then twenty four seven wise, it was McGrone who was a five. Oh, I forgot about McGrone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, forget about McGrone, dude. I didn't hear his name mentioned at all this week. Huh. Well, I, I think he's going to be a definitely an impact player on special teams to start out. Mm-hmm. Kind of um, like Josh Ross last yeah. year. Right. And that's the thing is, like, this is what I talk about where I said, like, the depth is starting to build. I mean, the linebacker room is so loaded right now that it's going to be difficult to see the number one outside backer in the country coming yeah. in and playing meaningful snaps unless somebody gets hurt. Um, so what do you think about Hutchinson? Because we asked Chase Winovich about freshmen, and for, for a lot of guys that he in, in both the offensive line and the, and the defensive line, he kind of gave cliched answers. Ryan Hayes, interesting, but needs to build into his frame. Taylor Upshaw is coming along, learning the ropes. But then he said Aiden Hutchinson's at the top of his list. Do you think, from what you know, I mean, is that something should fans expect him to be in that rotation or again, another loaded position group for Michigan where, you know, you've got top 100 guys that are third string guys right now. Or do you think it's something where Hutchinson might, might need a year as well? Um, so uh, the one thing I, about Aiden is he's become humongous. Um, the picture of the defensive line group that Madison posted about a month or a little more than a month, uh, he was massive. 
And he also is a guy who really, really, really came on strong late uh, recruiting-wise as far as, you know, he was kind of one of those, yeah, this guy's a four-star. He committed came on strong meeting late bloomer. I think so. Okay. Uh, I think yeah. his original ranking and rating were based mostly off potential. Um, but then, you, you know, I think we've talked about him before, uh, you get to the Army game, and he was dominant. I mean, he may have been one of the two or three best players, regardless of position, that entire week. Those are guys that play year one at colleges, the guys who are the best players in a game like that. Um, so I'm not shocked to hear Chase mention him as it's also Chase's like, position so it makes makes a little yeah, sense but, yeah but I do think though um I mean if you're Madison you'll you'll take as many guys as, as you can that are the, the defensive line's a different beast than other positions yes. where yeah. um you know I mean if, if he if he could get 12 guys he'd be ecstatic you know um and so I can see that. I think of the guys that are committed, I think he's definitely one of the most college-ready. Uh, okay. He's got the bloodline, obviously, too. I don't think that ever hurts. No. And uh, okay. definitely a kid who would run through a brick wall uh, to play for Michigan. And I think that stuff matters a little bit, too. Um, so, But to answer the original question, yeah, I mean, most of these guys are going to play. Uh, I still like Michael Barrett. I like Luke Sconemaker. Um, you like, I like him year one with that tight end group? Potentially, yeah. Okay. I mean, as many tight ends as they like to throw out there right. on a game. I think they've had, what, games where they've had six or seven different guys take snaps at tight end. Uh, um, I I think that did happen. I think it was one of those, like, 60-3 to three blowouts. Well, still. Both of these guys were top targets for them, too. Yeah. Uh, and so Muhammad's got to be involved in my opinion. Um, you know, I don't know about Mayfield yet. Uh, we'll see. Same with Hayes. Again, Hayes may start out at tight end. We've talked about that before. Yep. Yep. Um, Christian Turner, I feel like I've kind of led the bandwagon on that one. Uh, ben Summerin is a guy I think will play on special teams for sure and probably will walk into the two deep at fullback. I don't know. Jared Wangler, I think, had a, a solid offseason. Uh, could be a guy that could factor in there. Um, but Van Summeren's got a different set of tools, in my opinion, uh, is a guy I think if he comes long enough in fall camp is a guy that could see some meaningful snaps. Um, then you're kind of getting to the – so Haskins, Hassan Haskins. Look, Harbaugh said nice things about Haskins. Yeah. He actually mentioned say, Haskins before Turner when asked okay, about running backs. Haskins is another guy I heard some really, really great things about early on. Uh I know I posted a bunch of, you know, when during uh, photo shoot day, the, all the players, you know, they'll post on their social media accounts and stuff. Right. Uh, Haskins had one of the more was one of the more impressive physical specimens. Um, again, that doesn't always translate, but he was also a guy who I think had the frame to build and get bigger. I think he was sort of, no, I wouldn't say lanky because it's kind of hard to call any running back lanky, but a little bit though, uh, at the running back spot again, you know, a guy that I could tell you, Michigan was ecstatic to get uh, and, and have high hopes for. And so, uh, yeah, to hear, to hear, to hear Jim Harbaugh already mentioning him, 
is obviously it's good news, but it's also not shocking to me because they do, they feel like they got a, a super, super steal uh, there. So, um, you know, I don't know. Again, most of these guys will play. Jamon Green, same deal, was a top target at corner the whole cycle uh, for them. I know he's a three-star, but I don't believe he's a three-star prospect. Um, you know, guys that I guess you would label as more developmental types would probably be the Ronnie Bells, German Green, Vince Gray, Welshoff, Faustin, Upshaw, um, those guys, you know, mm, uh, right. who I don't think there will be any hurry for any of those guys. And all are raw or relatively raw. Maybe not so much Vince Gray, I think, is a guy that uh, I don't know if he'd play this year or not. I don't think he's necessarily raw uh, per se, but just maybe a guy that needs some seasoning. And, again, we're talking about corner, you know, that they're loaded there too. Uh, yeah, yeah. So. A lot of few positions on defense where there's really no hurry. And so they'll have to, you know, like McGrone, he's going to have to look like he's going to help them day one if he wants to play those meaningful snaps. I think we've mentioned every freshman except Joe Milton. And and just to share this, I guess we can close up with this. Uh, you know, we asked about Joe Milton over over in Chicago and, and Tyree Kinnell. You know, he described each quarterback with one word. Uh, I think it was for Milton, it was Cannon. For McCaffrey, it was quick on his feet. For Peters, it was poised. For uh, McCaffrey, it was well, it was not one word. It was uh, can make can make plays on his own or something. Uh, can yeah, can make plays in 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 stress or something. But anyway, Cannon and then Higdon said that he guarantees Joe Milton will leave a significant legacy at the University of Michigan, and he said that because he wants to claim in a few years that he said it first. Uh, so. So take that for okay. what you will, right? And he said that that he throws it it's harder than anybody else in the team, uh, you know. So I don't know, you know. People keep saying, "Oh, just you know, throw Milton in there to be your your deep ball thrower, or you know, put him in special packages." I'm not sure what Michigan plans to do, uh, but it sounds like they've gotten what they what they what they kind of expected, right? Because he was a top target. He wasn't the top target initially, but he was someone that when they found him, you know, they were they were ecstatic that he he wanted to come to Michigan. I know they're excited about that. That's why he came early, too, you know, right. to, to kind of um, get a head start here. Doing a little bit of horn tooting here again, but, you know, the day he committed, I was the, the – you always try to get a reaction. And uh, the reaction to Joe Milton's commitment was, remember this day in five years. <laughs> Yeah, well, no, I mean, to this day, and this includes Solomon, it includes Rashawn, um, Jabril, maybe the strongest reaction I've gotten to a verbal commitment. Wow, okay. Um, no, and I said that at the time, and I've been saying that. Uh, their hopes for, you talk about high hopes, um, you know, a, tr- a true sky is the limit type prospect. Yeah. And I think he has exceeded expectations already, both physically, but also his, his demeanor. Um, yeah. Higdon, 
he said his determination and his willingness to yes, work yes. have already yes. those were the most two most impressive traits when Higdon was asked about him. I mean I could just I could go back real quick almost and see if I can find like and you talk about his willingness to work. Um he that's all he's ever talked about in the times that I've talked to him was about work and working and outworking the next guy and come in. And, and the thing about Joe is that I think he comes from a, um, comes from a tough area in Orlando. I feel like, well, and, he was originally from Pahokee. Yeah. Which is you know, so you know, he's, the documented. Is that, that's the, the mud. They chase the, the rabbits in the mud. If I'm not mistaken, the Pahokee farms. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I yeah, mean, okay. Michigan has a long history at Pahokee. Yeah. Um, Vincent Smith. Yep. And, uh, you know, yeah. So here, I mean, interview I did with him last December, first sentence, I'm ready to get to work, you know, and like that was it right away. And that was his, he repeated that he would repeat that mantra every time I talked to him. And so I think it's a, simply a deal where a kid with his physical ability, and you get some, and then you get that work ethic on top of it, and you have a potentially special combination there. Um, and so, again, I mean, that's a strong statement by Higdon, but again, it kind of falls in line with the excitement that I've been led to believe the staff has for him. So, um, I expect him to play for sure in some capacity. I don't know if it'll be in an important game or in an important situation, but I fully expect him well again at this point you might as well like you don't know 100 percent. yeah yes and the other by the way though real quick before we forget you know there was another commitment that we didn't talk about who actually may be high up on the list of guys that will play this year and that would be kicker oh jake moody jake moody um, yeah. again, here's, here we, here I am feeling that I, I hate the fact that we forgot him because I'm, I'm always been kind of like special teams guy. Cause I love talking about special teams. I don't think it gets talked about enough. And then we forget about the guy whose special teams could be the kickoff specialist. Um, and who knows like, if Brad I, mean, Robbins... I, I remember, uh, with, with Kenny Allen, they said the kickoffs was probably the one thing they would love to have had someone else step up to do. Right. So no, yeah. Take and, it off and so, plate. Yeah, and, uh, you know, if Brad Robbins struggles coming out of the gate, you know, I think Moody could be the guy to compete at that spot, too. too. Yes. Okay. And so, um, you know, if that happens, like if Robbins struggles, let's say, let's just say he does, I don't think he will. I think think that he's going to, I think he's just like a lot of the other freshmen that played last year, I think he's going to, progress and get a lot better well and there's history that punters i think you might have been on vacation when these stories drop there's a history that punters get you know three ish yards better after their freshman year right and so um and they need that badly i mean we've you know field position is such a big deal for them last year compared to the two years prior um but all of a sudden see i look at it and think okay so let's just say he does struggle again i'm not i don't think he will but let's just say he does all of a sudden moody you know, say he's the guy that comes in and punts, he's all of a sudden, like, maybe the most important true freshman on the team. <laughs> That's true. You know, and so so you can't, we can't neglect his addition and what he could potentially bring in year one, too. I mean, 
the rules the same for every freshman. So why, you know, I could maybe see them giving him a couple punts. You know, why wouldn't you? Uh, what's the difference? What's the difference between giving a freshman punter a few snaps and a freshman receiver or running back or defensive lineman? You know, yeah. so, I mean, just the the one chance that they drop the snap or or shake well, it. I, you know, I think we, the the variance of like what can happen skews negatively with special teams. To, like, you know, you botch a punt, you miss the kick or whatever. Right. You just try to get him. Um, you try to get him to uh, in a game where maybe it's the pressure's not there. I so agree. If he does yeah. do that, but um, but yeah. So yeah, I I as we said, probably everyone who is healthy will see snaps as far as significance. Uh, I can't remember exactly which ones we listed, but I, I think Christian Turner is probably at the top of the list. Miles Sims, in some capacity, is probably in there. Uh, who else did we say? Moody. Hutchinson. Hutchinson. Uh, Barrett and Haskins probably as well. Michigan has a... Seems like they like to rotate skill position players when they have when they have someone they can rotate. So, so anyway, that's going to do it for this show. Uh, for Steve Lorenz on the phone lines, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you have fun. Hope you learned something. Check out our stories at the MichiganInsider.com, 24-7Sports.com. Uh, and we'll see you next time.